right. Glad you were here today. Um, I was going to say on your seat you'll find the notes, but you won't. No, the notes are there. They are there. Uh, you know, I, I did, Chris, I do not remember um, talking about the bulletin thing, so it caught me by surprise, too. So I, I don't know what to say about that right yeah. now. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm absolutely um, a little shocked, but I hope it will work. And if it doesn't, let us know. We'll get a bulletin back to you. So I just, it caught me off guard. Now I can't preach. No, there we go. All right. Um, so we are in our summer series called Destinations. Pastor Terry started last week with the series, I think, preached the best message I've ever heard him teach. Anybody else agree with that right there? Just did a fantastic job. Um, we have such a strong teaching team. I'm so grateful uh, to all of, of the folks that are involved in that. Um, here's, I, I, I asked um, for our, our teaching team to describe, give me a sentence that you felt like if, if it, it was portable. What's the portable sentence that people could say, this is what this series is about this summer. And so what we came up with is that it's really saying where God wants me to be. That's it right there. Where God wants me to be. Not asking the question, but making the statement, I know this is where God wants me to be. So today, uh, using the idea of destinations and uh, using the idea of traveling a little bit, um, obviously with summer vacations, things like that. Um, here's what we are going to talk about tonight. Uh, it is delayed. The idea of when we're delayed Waiting well. How many of you wait well? That's, I, I had a feeling that as we teach about that this weekend, that people would probably have, um, have an opportunity to relate to the idea that, that waiting and waiting well are two different things. There is, um, um, there is a show out that Chris and I started watching recently. Uh, it, it's called Airline. Anybody else familiar with it? It's, it is a, it's an obscure little show. Here's what it's about. Southwest Airlines allowed for a camera crew to follow passengers and their airline around to see how things work out. How many of you can imagine that, that if you followed an airline around, you were going to find delays going on? Um, I, I don't know if any of you travel for a living. I, I, um, I am glad I'm not a road warrior. I clocked a little more than 50,000 air miles last year. But I know guys in this church that are doing 250000 a year, and they are true road warriors. And the stories they tell are incredible stories. I ended up with a few delays um, myself last year, and I'll talk about them here for a minute. But in this television show, Chris and I were watching it this last week, and there was a lady who, who got so upset, I said this would make an excellent illustration. And so I, I got a hold of Pastor Marcus, who can do amazing things with the computer. Marcus was able to pull this um, off and, and put it together for me. And the only reason I'm going to show it is with this idea in mind, that um, when we don't wait well, I'm not sure that we recognize our attitude a lot of times when we don't wait well. And if, if you ever had the opportunity to have your life videotaped and then you could watch it at the end of the day, how many of you think that it would help you maybe change your behavior <laughs> at certain, certain things? And so I, this, this poor lady, I, I just want to make the statement right now. I, I would say that I, I would be as guilty as this person is. I, this is not me pointing a finger saying, look at this terrible person. I'm saying that she's probably a prime example of what it's like when we don't wait well. We just don't recognize how ugly it could be. So watch this real quickly and it'll work as an illustration for tonight. Miss Kay shows up. She's very unhappy with not being able to get on the plane. Do you realize what inconvenience you have done to about five people? And she was very, I don't know what's a good word. Um, vocal is a good word. You, you do, I understand do you what understand you're saying? Yes. It's the plane gone. The plane is leaving right now. I can't get you onto the plane. Do you want something to eat or something? No, I don't want anything. I want to leave this place. Okay. You do not know what you have done to us. All right. Unfortunately, your next flight is going to be at 8 o'clock for missing this. 11 o'clock tonight? No, it leaves at 8 or 8 tonight and gets you into Houston at 10.15. I have lost all my religion over this. I'm sorry <laughs> to be so nasty, but this is totally ridiculous. Totally ridiculous. Okay. <laughs> now, we laugh. I, and and it's, I'm just going to ask rhetorically, but how many of you know someone like that? 
And maybe you married. No, okay, let's, 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 let's jump in and have a little bit of fun. There really is a great value in this message, and I may have a little fun with it in the beginning, but if you'll give me the chance to take you someplace, I think I can introduce you to an idea, something that God would teach us tonight that may be one of the more beneficial spiritual principles you could learn in your life. In your notes, I put down that there are two kinds of waiting. The first one is forced waiting. Have you ever experienced forced waiting? Don't know why it is, but life is full of forced waiting. Seems to me that in my life, I end up um, always in that position. If I go to the bank, I try to find the line that moves quicker. And of course, I'll get behind the one that's trying to cash a check from 1958. <laughs> one that's got a thousand pennies, whatever the case would be. It just seems like um, forced waiting happens to me a lot. I put down as an example, Cusco to Lima. And right below that, here's the thought before I give you this illustration. I believe major mistakes are made when we don't wait well. In fact, if you really would take this message tonight, and I think if you'd examine your life, take this weekend, all of our campuses, so right now, Lakewood and Castle Rock and Highlands Ranch, Lone Tree, all of you, really think about this. This weekend, I bet some of the greater mistakes you've ever made in your life have come when you haven't waited well. Maybe you got your way, but have you ever been sorry that you got your way? So I put down in my notes right here, Cusco to Lima, about a year and a half ago, uh, I led some friends, some guys here in the church, on a mission trip uh, down into South America. We were in Lima. Um, we've got several orphanages that have been set up down there that we support. And while we were down on this trip, we had flown from Lima up to Cusco, where two of the big orphanages are. And we had spent the week up there. And you're at, in, in Cusco, you're about 14,000 feet. It's an airport that you fly um, right in between two mountains to land. So it's a scary little airport. And they run these jets like they're, they're fighter jets. I mean, they just up and down real quick. And I had never had this happen to me before. In leaving Cusco at that altitude, uh, the pilot got onto the runway, revved the engines. We begin the takeoff process. He had it at full speed, and then he aborted the takeoff. One of the engines had trouble. I don't know if you've ever experienced that. I've had it where they've backed away from the gate and had trouble. I've had it where they've actually got out on the tarmac and had trouble. I've had trouble once they've landed the plane. Uh, one time, the nose gear, they couldn't get it to lock in place, and the pilot had to stop on the runway, and it kept all the traffic in the air flying around while somebody came out and put a pin in the front gear so that it wouldn't collapse. So I've had all sorts of things happen, but I've never had uh, an aborted takeoff at, at full speed. So we are about... 200 miles an hour, whatever that is, when a plane takes off, and the guy aborts it, and he pulls off very rapidly to a side runway. And of course, everybody begins to complain after they stop crying, and, and it's, a, it's a deal where they want off of the airplane. We're sitting there for a long period of time. Just throw out this thought right there. Um, rather than being upset about it, I actually began to thank God, because if there's a time for them to figure out that you've got problems... Before you're in the air. You agree with that? So here are people that are, that are I mean, they are very upset. And, and the longer we waited, the more they, they begin to express themselves. We went off of this airplane. And so several of them, here's what, here's what happened. They complained so loudly that the airline was forced to send a bus out to the plane. And several of the people got off of the airplane, got onto this bus, went back to the terminal, and we stayed on the airplane. Long story short, we ended up taking off and flying, getting to where we needed to go long before the other people did who got off. And the only thing that I'm trying to throw out to you is um, if you force your way into a situation, you recognize some of the major mistakes. I mean, what a mistake it would be in that deal to force an airplane in the air because you're impatient, to force a pilot to do something that... He shouldn't. It, better to wait and be sure and be safe and be right than it is to force your way. I would say more of the major mistakes that we make in our life happen through the idea that we don't wait well. In Galatians chapter 4, Paul relates an Old Testament story in a New Testament thought. In Galatians chapter 4, verse 28 and 29, he's talking about Abraham and Sarah. And you remember God had come to Abraham and Sarah in their old age. And he said, I'm going to give you a child. They were way past their childbearing years. It was going to be a miracle. 
Now, I don't know if you remember the story exactly, but as they promised Abraham and Sarah that they would have a child, uh, the Bible says that Sarah actually laughed. She couldn't believe that this was going to take place. And here's what happened. God gave them the promise, but a long time had passed between when he said it and when it took place. How many of you know it's when we have to wait that everything we believe is tested? God gives a word to this couple. I'm going to give you a child. I am going to fulfill my promise. He gives the word. Here's the problem. He didn't give them the date. And as they had to wait, and I'm just going to make the statement one more time, most of the major mistakes in our lives are made when we don't wait well. Here's what happened. Abraham and Sarah came up with their own plan to fulfill God's promise. Sarah had a handmaid. Her name was Hagar. She told her husband, sleep with my handmaid, and we'll get a child that way. And he did, and the child's name was Ishmael, and today, provable issue. Ishmael is the father of the Arabs. Isaac is the father of the Jews. Yes or no, it causes great problems when you don't wait well. It causes absolute generation to generation issues at times when we don't wait well. I take that story and in Galatians chapter 4, Paul takes that Old Testament story and he teaches this New Testament principle. Look at this. Paul says to the church in Galatia, you brothers and sisters are children of the promise just like Isaac, but you are now being persecuted by those who want you to keep the law just as Ishmael, the child born by human effort, persecuted Isaac the child born by the power of the Spirit. I read that this week, and the Lord said something to me that I had never seen before. When you force your will, when you don't wait well, when you make something happen your way rather than God's way, it ends up persecuting you in your own life. Look at the wording that's used here. They forced their way into the promise that God had given them, and it actually persecuted them in their lives. And yes or no, it's still going on today, 3,000 years later. I would submit to you, rather than make it a faraway people at another time, let's bring it into our lives, that when we get a promise from God and we don't wait well, when we force our hand or our way or our timing into a situation. We can make things happen, but the thing we make happen can be an Ishmael that ends up persecuting us or ends up harming us or ends up causing us a lot of pain in our lives, even once God comes through and gives the promise. I put below that Marcus trying to get back to Phoenix. Marcus told me this funny story. Um, Was it last summer? That it happened. Marcus, um, Marcus was on vacation with, with Amy and the kids in Phoenix. And Marcus's dad uh, was graduating from a program at his church. And he invited Marcus to come and witness. So Marcus flew from Phoenix to Dallas. And he was flying back the same day to Phoenix to be with his family. So everything goes like clockwork in the morning. He gets on the airplane. He flies to Dallas. His family picks him up. They go to the graduation. Marcus watches his father graduate. Tremendous thing. They take him back to the airport. And sure enough, the flight is canceled. So Marcus is upset and he wants to get back to his family. Amy's got all the kids in Phoenix. And I just said it's in the summer. How many of you know that that's not a place to wait well? So... Marcus decides he's going to come up with a plan to get to Phoenix. So he starts messing with the airlines. And here's what they come up with late at nighttime. We can get you to El Paso, and then you can catch this orange crate, basically, that'll get you into Phoenix. So Marcus flies from Dallas to El Paso. 9.45 at nighttime, he gets off of the airplane. He's going to catch the last flight out of El- How many of you know that the town closes at 9.46? I mean, it's, it's over. Marcus gets off the airplane, 
in El Paso, and he reads the board, his flight to Phoenix has been canceled. <laughs> He's got no family in El Paso. He's got no place to go. It's a funny story. Long story short, Marcus, Marcus got back yesterday from El Paso. <laughs> And he's here at church. That's dedication. <laughs> how many of you, we laugh at it, but how many of you, you recognize when you, when you don't wait well? His flight, by the way, from Dallas got there. They were able to reroute it and get it done. But when you force things to happen, how many of you recognize sometimes that God many times allows situations into our lives because he's trying to get the proper reaction out of us. You know, a lot of times waiting, we see waiting as only an issue that's happening to us. I, I would think that the worst thing about waiting, tell me if this isn't true, especially when you're at the airport, it's the feeling of losing control, isn't it? That you don't have control anymore, and that's when we tend to start going crazy. But I would say, rather than seeing things like that as a personal issue, what about seeing it as an opportunity to learn that life is really about learning to wait on God and let God do what he wants to do, when he wants to do it, how he wants to do it in our lives. And I'm just going to submit this to you. If you can't wait well with situations in life, what makes you think you can wait well when it comes to the promises of God? That makes sense? I put down in my notes, they're not in yours, the fine art of waiting on God. This morning, I spoke to a group of 50 young pastors. All of them want to serve God with their lives. All of them want to be in a position where they, they've given everything to the Lord. And, and so in meeting with them, I thought, what... What, after 26 years of doing this full-time, what would I teach a bunch of young pastors trying to go 26 years? And I thought the most important thing that I think I have learned is the art of waiting on God. Now, what I mean by that is not that you wake up and you just stand there and wait, but waiting for God to speak to you. Waiting for God to move in your life. Waiting for God to do what he wants to do. I, I made this statement. See if this is true for you. How many of you believe that God wants to speak to you? Do you really believe that? How many of you believe that God does speak? How many of you can tell me what God said to you this morning? I'm glad there's hands that went up. Here's a truth. People believe that God wants to speak. People believe that God wants to speak to them, but people don't know how to hear from God because they don't know how to wait on God. I think we live in a day and a time when people are used to very fast food mentality, and that includes their spiritual lives too. Give you a thought. You can have outpatient surgery, microwave dinner, but you can't get God to move any faster when it comes to your schedule. And I think that mentality that we live with today that I can have it fast and I can make it fit into my time schedule, I don't think when it comes to God it works that way. And I think that there's a fine art to learning how to wait on God. So let me, let me give you something that um, I think is really important. Rather than seeing waiting as forced, what if we saw waiting as something to be practiced? Something to be practiced. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. Really familiar scripture if you're a believer. I bet you've heard this. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. You ever heard that scripture before right there? They that wait upon the Lord. The word wait in the Hebrew is the word kava. Kava. It means to bind together by twisting. Let me give you an idea right here. I think that most people, when it comes to waiting, think of waiting as something that is passively to be done. I stand here and I wait. I wait and I wait and I wait. 
Pastor John talked about waiting on God, so that means I just stand here and I, it's passive. But that's not what the word means. The word means to bind together like twisting. Here's what's supposed to happen when you wait on God. You're supposed to, in an expectation, in a relationship, you're supposed to get into a place with him where you know he's going to move. Where all you're doing is sitting there expect. It's not passive. You're not sitting back waiting. You are, you're, like, you're like, I've got a little dog that when we leave the house, he, he paces like this in front of the window all till we come back home. This is how you're supposed to be with God. You are supposed to be looking and watching and waiting for him to show up in your life. You're not supposed to be sitting in the lazy boy. Kicked all the way back. Like, I know God's going to be here, so that's path. That is not what the Bible describes as waiting. It's to bind yourself together by twisting. It means you're supposed to get in this relationship with God where you're seeking, where you're looking, where you're anticipating, where you're actually knowing. Any minute, God is about to show up, and I am just chomping at the bit because I know God's going to come through. That's biblical waiting. I think the idea, rather than seeing it as something that's forced on you, it should be something that we learn to practice. In Psalms, verse, Psalms chapter 40, verse 1 and 2, David said, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on the rock and gave me a firm place to stand. When David says, I waited patiently on the Lord, that does not mean that David sat back passively. David aggressively knew that only God could come through. So he couldn't force his hand to get out of the pit, but he knew that God was going to come through. So he patiently endured the fact God's going to show up here. I know he's coming. I know he hasn't forgotten about me. He bound himself in a relationship. His waiting involved he and God together seeing something happen. He wasn't passively in some other place hoping that God was going to show up. Here's a cliche. Ever heard this one? God answers prayers three ways. Yes, no. What's the third one? You ever heard that before? God answers prayers three ways. Yes, no, wait. Here's my question to you. How do you know, other than yes, how do you know if it's a no or a wait? How do you know? If your idea of waiting is passively, then you don't know. But if your idea of waiting is that you're anticipating God's going to show up based on what he's promised you, what he's told you, what you've heard, here's what waiting on God is. Waiting on God is learning how to hear from God. So that what you're waiting for is based on the promises that God has said to you. That's why you're able to anticipate. When you learn to wait on God, this is what I taught 50 young pastors this morning. When you wait on God, you get up in the morning, you set aside time, you don't just monologue with God your list of stuff that you need. You dialogue with God. Give him what you need and then learn to listen to what God is saying so you know what you're waiting for. Let me preach to a side that's listening to me right now. All right, let me, I'll give it to you this way. In, in 94, I, I, was, I was a youth pastor. And in a three-week time period, I went from being a youth pastor to an associate pastor. My pastor, as soon as I became an associate pastor, my pastor was skiing, ended up having heart pressure, heart pain, skied to the bottom of the hill, drove over to Greeley, uh, medical Center, and at Greeley Medical Center, they, they did a, an x-ray of his chest, injected dye, and they told him, you've got four blockages over 90%, you cannot leave the hospital. And he said, I've got to let my church and my staff know about this, and this is what they told him, if you leave here, you'll probably die. It's fairly serious. <laughs> he left. He, he, he stood in front of the church, he actually sat. He, he sat on the steps because he was afraid that any excess motion might cause something to happen. So he sat on the steps to teach the message. And he told everyone in the church what was going on. But this is what he said. He said, so there's not a power struggle and a vacuum while I'm gone. John's in charge. Yeah. 
I was, I was young enough to think at that time, oh, I can do this. <laughs> uh, and this is what I told this group of 50 young pastors this morning. In two weeks, I had gone through every message I had in my repertoire. <laughs> two weeks. I had taught everything that I knew. I, I've made this statement before. Failing, aren't you glad that God is merciful and most of our failures take place behind closed doors? I mean, we all fail to a certain degree, but most of us don't have to fail publicly, and that's a good thing. But I was forced into a situation in front of 3,500 people that I began to fail publicly, and I was failing every week. I was failing not only teaching, but I was failing leading. I was failing in... Uh, here, bottom line was this. I was put in this situation between a rock and a hard place. And most of us, when we get in those situations where we're not in control, what we think is the devil has taken over my life. The devil has gained control. I'm going to tell you something. Quit praising and giving credit to the devil one more minute. Stop it. If you're a believer, the devil does not have control of your life. If you're in a rock and a hard place, here's what it is. It's an opportunity for you to hear from God so that you can begin to wait for a miracle. Some of you need to hear what I'm saying right now. I found myself in this place. I had, I had nothing. I had to hear from God, and I didn't know how. Here's what I believe. You can be in the ministry. You can teach from the Bible. You can even draw a crowd, and you don't have to hear from God to be able to do it. And if that's true for a pastor, how much more true would it be for people to fake it rather than actually be doing it? So I make the statement, how many of you believe that God wants to speak to you? I, you're here because you have to believe that God wants to speak to you. But if I said to you, tell me what he said to you this morning, and you can't tell me, you're faking it. Now, I'm not being mean to you. I'm telling you the truth right now. You believe that God wants to talk to you, but if you're not hearing from him, something's wrong. And I would say to you, it's the art of learning how to wait on God that's missing. Here's what's taught in prayer today. Give him time. Learn to pray the Lord's Prayer over an hour. Learn to stretch it out and give... Length is not the issue. The issue is learning to hear when he speaks. It's learning to discern. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. Most believers go, my sheep know my Bible. We know the Bible, but we don't know his voice. And some are going to say, well, they're one and the same. Yes and no. God will speak personal things to you for your life. Do you believe that? I was forced in this situation to have to learn how to hear from God. I remember, I remember jumping in my car. There were two places that I learned to go and listen to the voice of God. One was in Estes Park. When it was warm, I would go to Estes Park. The other one was Horse Tooth Reservoir. I lived in northern Colorado. There was this huge rock at Horse Tooth Reservoir. I would drive my car there. I would get out of my car. I would sit on this rock. Here, here's what I, I'm ADD spiritually. Anybody else? <laughs> Hear what I mean by that? When I sit and try to be still, my mind tends to wander and get distracted. When I talk about waiting on God, it's a foreign concept. I, most of you are probably not even catching what I'm saying right now. You may even think that you're doing it. How do you know? What is God saying to you? What are the promises that he has for you? What did God talk to you about this morning? I learned to cry out to God and then to wait until he talked to me. Most of my prayer life up until that time had been the list. I would read him my list my wants and my needs and all the things that were going on in other people's lives. But I would never wait for him to speak to me. I would do my list and then I would take off because learning to wait on him, here's what I just said to you. We live in a fast food society and God does not speed up his speaking because you're used to it going fast. 
In Exodus chapter 4, Moses is walking by a burning bush. He passes by a burning bush, and the Bible says that Moses noticed the burning bush. But I want to say something to you. God did not call out to Moses from the bush. God did not whistle at Moses. Hey, Moses. Here's what the Bible says. Moses turned aside to see the bush. And the Bible says once God recognized that Moses turned aside, then he spoke. Most of God speaking to you will not happen until you turn aside from your path, from what you're doing, and get in front of him and learn to listen to him. I'm coming up on 50 pretty quick. Some of you have beat me. Some of you are behind me. But anybody that's close to the age, let me ask you a question. Has it dawned on you yet that you do not have time to recover like you did when you were 30 when you make mistakes? I'm going to ask you one more time. Has it dawned on you that you don't have time to recover from your mistakes like you did when you were 30? I want what I do to count and be precise. How about you? I want where I spend my money to matter. I want my words to not just be all over the place and scattered, I want them to be said specifically so that they matter right then to somebody. Does that make any sense? I want my time not to be wasted. I want it to be put in a place where there's going to be a return from it. Here's the deal. Unless you're hearing from God, you're guessing. JFC was started in 1998, 14 years ago. If you ever hear me tell the story, I actually wanted to start it in 1996. I tried to teach this group of pastors this this morning. Every one of them in that room felt like they had a call on their life. Just because you have a call doesn't mean that you're supposed to go start a church. How many pastors start churches because they have a call but they haven't heard from God to go do it? I mean, churches fail, not because they were bad pastors, but because they didn't hear from God. Therefore, there was no protection. There was no anointing. There was no leading. Okay, I relate well to pastors, but let me ask you in your life, how many relationships do people pursue? And they never heard from God on it. you hear me right now? How many business ventures do people end up in? And they go south, and then they sit there and they scratch their head, I'm a believer, doesn't God love me, and why didn't he protect? How about this? Did you just guess? Can you be honest enough to say, after the fact, I didn't really hear from God, I just was hoping? And my message today is not condemnation, nor to come after you. I, here's what I'm trying to teach you. God wants to speak to you specifically so that you know what your next step is. God wants to tell you before you say, I do. Does it make sense? Put down the bottom of your notes a dream I'm still waiting on. In 1989, I had the most unusual experience in my life. Chris and I had it at the same time. Um, it was early in the morning, and we we had uh, we were in our first full-time position in ministry. We we'd been in several part-time positions. But this is our first full-time position, Lakeland, Florida. It's a town in between Orlando and Tampa. And if you blink, it's the old 
cliche, you'll miss it going through. We were at a church, and it was in the middle of nowhere, but man, were we excited to have the opportunity. And it was probably, I don't know, 4.30, 5 o'clock in the morning. Right that time, it's not light, but it's not dark. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And I was awake, but I was still sleeping. Does that make any sense? Do you know what I'm talking about? Is that in-between place? And I begin to have this dream. And in the dream, I'm standing on a platform, and I'm teaching a bunch of pastors. And it was very specific what I was teaching. We were training. We were planting churches. And at the end of this dream, I mean, it was so specific. This is what the Lord said to me. So you'll know this is me and not you. Your wife is having the exact same dream right now. Now, my job is not to convince you of anything. You can believe it or you don't have to. But I do know this. If God says something, I have learned a long time ago not to try to help God. If God did it, let God do it. So I'm laying in the bed and I open my eyes and I look across at Chris and she opens her eyes and she looks at me. Now, I didn't shake her. I didn't whisper in her ear subconsciously, I'm having a dream where I'm teaching right now. <laughs> You're having the same dream, honey. So when you wake up, I want you to tell me. I opened my eyes and I looked at her and she opened her eyes and looked at me and this is what I said. Are you having a dream? And she said, yes. I said, what are you dreaming right now? She said, you're standing on a platform and you're teaching people. Well, I came out of the bed like electricity. <laughs> that shocked me. I jumped up. I grabbed a pen and I grabbed a paper and I started writing as fast as I can everything that God had told me to do. Every word. It was so specific. I was so excited. How many of you think you might be excited? wrote down everything that God told me. That was 1989. 23 years ago. 23 years have passed and that dream has not been fulfilled yet. But now I want you to hear me. I do not doubt that I heard from God. The devil has not come in and stolen any momentum from me. I am waiting in anticipation for the day God allows me the chance to begin to mentor a large group of pastors. Why even say that? Because you'll get to see it with me. And when you do, the only way it was possible was that God fulfilled his promise. When I talk about waiting on God, how foolish would it be for me to hold on to that if I'd have made it up in my own mind. Do you know you could spend 50 years trying to make something like that happen, waste your entire life, and if God never said it, God owes you nothing, does he? But if God said it, I'm intertwining my life with who he is and what he's able to do, and I know, just like I'm standing here right now teaching you, a day will come when there will be a training center that this church has. Well, we will train and we will teach. You think we're planning churches now? Four campuses is, I want to plant 400 campuses. Listen, I'm about global domination. <laughs> Denver is just the seed. I want North America. So laugh. Why don't we think that God can do things like that? Why don't we believe that God could speak to me about my children and my grandchildren? Why don't we believe that God could, he could talk to me about my business? Why don't we believe that God would speak to me? Why wouldn't he even tell me what car I should buy? Is God so distant here that he doesn't care about those things for you? My Bible says he knows the number of hair on my head. 
My delight is to wake up and to wait for him to speak to me. I'm 10 minutes past my time. It's not even 5 o'clock, so. Gosh, our strength. If you're burnt out as a believer, it's because you're not hearing from God. If you're angry and you're frustrated, listen to me right now. Don't be mad at me, listen to me. It's because you're not hearing from him right now. Because here's what he would do. He would come in and speak to that situation and heal your heart. He would come in and give you wisdom so that you're not entangled with all of the lies of the enemy. He would come in and give you direction so that you're not fumbling and stumbling in the dark trying to figure out what's going to happen in my life. God has a plan and a purpose for you that he wants to reveal. And when he does, then he wants you in anticipation to be looking. When is God? I know who God is. I know what God can do. I'm wrapping myself around him. I know God's going to show up in my life. I have people come to me and say to me all the time, Pastor, has God said anything about me to you? <laughs> Listen to this. This is, this is a, a trip. If I was a mean guy, boy, I could mess people up, couldn't I? Huh? Patty, I could mess with them. God did tell me something about you. It's funny that you ask. <laughs> I get why people would ask the question, and I believe in the gift of prophecy and words of knowledge, without question. But let me allow this. When, when your need for someone else to tell you what God is saying takes over in your life, where you've got to ask somebody else, tell me what God is saying. So, God, we, we have set ourselves up to be so misled and so deceived. The seed of deception is completely found in the whole idea that I'm not hearing from God, so I need somebody else to tell me what to do with my life. Man, if you're 15, God will speak to you now. You don't have to wait till you're, you're, you're 49 years old to find out what God wants. Find out now. I'll just end it with this. Psalms 127.1. Listen to the wisdom in these words. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. I want you to take that scripture right there, and I want you to personalize it to your life. Unless the Lord is building your life, you're laboring in vain trying to build it right now. Unless the Lord is guarding over you, you're staying awake, doing it in vain. God wants to build your house. God wants to build your family. God wants to build you. I'm going to ask the question again. How many of you truly believe God wants to do that for you. Do you really believe that God wants to do that for you? I submit to you. You can walk out of here going, I wish God would do that. This is the need of a pastor. Spiritual instruction is, you have to learn to hear the voice of the Lord so that you know what you're waiting for and you've got real faith for it. We come to the end of our messages every time. Putting our worship on the back end so that people have a chance to hear from God. I'm going to say this to you. Do not consider the end of the service when I step off of this platform 
and you stand up to take communion. It's actually the beginning. The most important part should be that you get a chance to hear God speak to you right now. The most important part is that you put your heart in a place of going, God, I want to hear your voice, and I will linger, and I will wait for you. And if you don't amend your schedule to wait for God, you will leave this place again thinking, believing, God wants to speak to me, but you'll not have heard his voice. And I don't want that for you. God wants to talk to you. He wants to speak to you. You could leave here tonight with faith that could move mountains if you'll hear the voice of the Lord. I will let that stand right there. Father, take this message, open our hearts, our minds, to your truth. Church, your heads are bowed, your eyes are closed. I want you to listen right now. Don't. I was joking when I said I have spiritual ADD, but the truth of the matter is one of the ways the enemy will fight you is to distract you when it's time to listen to the voice of God. Right now, I'm calling you to be present to his presence. I'm calling you to hear the voice of the Lord right now. God wants to speak to you. God has good things for you. He may be the God of the universe, but he is also the God that picked the color of your eyes. You are not here drifting around accidentally. God has a purpose and a plan for you. And I would say his heart longs to reveal to you what he's got. The Bible says that we are his artwork put on display for the world to see. If what Paul wrote in Galatians is true and you are his handiwork, his artistry put on display for the world to see, here's what I know. All art speaks of the artist. All art points to the one who painted it or drew it or sculpted it. The reason it's important for you to be hearing from God is this isn't, listen, this isn't a message that is about you. This is a message that's about God. The reason it's important for you to be hearing from God is your life can't display how great, it can't point people to how great God is unless you're in the place where it shows forth his handiwork, his artistry. And I would pray for you tonight that your spiritual ears would open up, that your spiritual heart would be soft right now, that your eyes would see, really see, You know, I would, I would bind a spirit of passivity and apathy off of you. I would ask that God would spiritually revive you where you would be desperate to hear his voice. ask that the Holy Spirit would stir you in a new way tonight. I don't care how old you are. 
I would ask that in a new way, God would speak to you like for the very first time. That you would find yourself excited to hear his voice. That you would find yourself caught up in what he's saying to you. You know what? I would pray that you don't just hear another message and it's just blah, blah, blah. But tonight you grab hold of something that would change your life. That you would hear God speak to you. God, open our eyes, open our ears, let us hear you. As we go to worship, transport us to the very throne room right now. At every campus. Every opportunity right now. Open our hearts, God, to hear. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, before you leave, I'm going to ask you to practice this. Yeah. We'll just do this at all of our campuses right now. As all of our worship leaders come to take us to the throne room, that's their job, to take you into the throne room. I want all of you, just stay in your seats right now for a moment. Don't run to communion. If, if you don't have to leave, don't leave. Sit still for a moment. Just open your spiritual heart if you find your mind just drifting all over I'm telling you that right there is what you've got to work on to learn to listen to the voice of God listen if you've got a chance to speak to you in the second song all of our worship leaders will direct us to communion the crosses prayer whatever we need but this first one give God an opportunity to speak to you